Good to see you here this morning. Thanks for the music. Thanks for the singing. It's always good to come here and sing praises to the Lord and also good to go through the word with you. The Bible is so encouraging. It's my favorite book, and I hope it becomes yours if it's not already. By the way, thanks for praying for my wife. She took a fall yesterday off a few steps, and she's kind of bruised this morning, but um, hopefully uh, she's watching the sauce that I put on last night. And uh, my granddaughter's watching her. She's 18. She wants to be a nurse, so I think she's in good hands at this point. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. We've been going through various topics from the book of Proverbs in this series on Proverbs. And once again, let me recommend one of my favorite commentaries on the book of Proverbs done by a theologian back in the 1800s. I really appreciate the men who wrote in the 16th, 17th, 1800s because they took their time to write. They took their time to think through what they were writing about. So this book here by Charles Bridges on Proverbs is one of my favorite, if not my favorite book on, on Proverbs. And you may want to get Charles Bridges online. He's actually not on there. He's been dead for a few hundred years. But, <laughs> but, but you, can, you can get his works online. I think you'll find them very helpful. This morning, what I want to do, because we've all heard of the thought of the lives and the rich of the lit rich and famous, I want us to seriously consider the lifestyle of the wise and the foolish. And I want to do this from the book of Proverbs. What I mean by lifestyle, I want to make sure we understand where I'm going on this. Lifestyle, what I mean is that consistent behavior we have through life. Uh, none of us are perfect in this matter of being wise. Isn't that right? I think at times we all, act, we all act foolish. I know I do at times. But is there a consistency of foolish behavior or a consistency of wise behavior? And that's what the emphasis in Proverbs seems to be. Now I want to give an outline on where we're heading this morning. A few of these uh, points are going to be brief. Here's the first one we're going to look at, uh, the definitions of the wise and foolish from the book of Proverbs. The second, I'm going to give you a few biblical examples. We're not going to go there where they are in the text of Scripture, but I want to mention a few foolish people and wise people. And then I want us to look more specifically at some verses in Proverbs that deal with this matter of being wise or foolish. And then our fourth point is this matter of what did Jesus say about the wise and foolish. So we're all set now. We know where we're going. Okay, we get in our cars. We're going down the road now. Here's our first point. The first point is this. What are the definitions of the word wise or wisdom or the word fools or foolish, the word fool? And I'll just give you a few thoughts along this line. You may want to copy a few of these down. First of all, from Proverbs, the word wise 
and wisdom occur about 105 times in Proverbs. So that seems to be a, a good amount of times, and that seems to be a major theme in Proverbs, does it not? 105 times in Proverbs. The words fool or fools or foolish occur 97 times in Proverbs. So if you want to look at who is a wise person or who is a fool, you want to make Proverbs a good study for you. Let me give you some definitions of a wise person, and you'll see them on the screen, and a fool. A wise person, or the word wise, simply means to be skillful in the knowledge that you have. And a wise person not only is skillful in that knowledge, but that person applies the knowledge in their daily life. So a wise person isn't just someone who hears, as we'll see, and sometimes they don't even want to hear, but a wise person takes in knowledge and then applies knowledge as to where they are in life. Now, the fool is just the opposite. A fool is a person who acts silly and is unconcerned about knowledge. I don't need any knowledge. They are stupid in their outlook of life and in their decision-making. That's a fool, someone who looks at life and goes, I don't really need that much knowledge. I don't need knowledge, in fact. I'll just go about doing whatever I feel like doing. They're actually stupid. By the way, the word fool means stupid in the Hebrew. And the fool does that, as we'll see in Proverbs. He acts stupid. But once again, we've got to be careful because all of us at times act foolish. We act stupid, right? Anyone here not ever? Have you ever? No? <laughs> I know I have. But we're talking about consistency here. The wisest person in the room here this morning at times makes foolish mistakes. I know I did and still do at times. Um, I remember what's so vividly clear to me when I was a teenager. My brother was, he um, had a pizza shop, and um, we both weren't converted to Christ. That has nothing to do with the pizza shop, but uh, he had this pizza shop, and on a Friday night, he said, John, can you come and wash all the dishes and wash the pots and pans? And I said, oh, yeah, sure, I could get a few pizzas there free because it was my brother, brother's shop and I could put the pizzas in and so on. So I was there scraping away and for whatever reason I thought, man, you know, this stuff isn't coming off. So I start scraping and I didn't know but I was scraping all the Teflon off the pot. And I, but I was doing a good job and I kept right, on, <laughs> kept right on digging right in, taking all the Teflon right in. And my brother came back and I thought, man, he's going to be so proud of me because I got all all this stuff on it that I now took off, and he looked at it, and he was so depressed after that I had done something like that. So at that point, I was foolish. Another foolish time I remember is when that I committed is when uh, I'm a pastor elder at a church in Pennsylvania, and this man, was, I think it was like the first year I was there, and this man comes to the door, and he says, is the pastor here, elder here? And I said, Yes, I am he. And he goes, uh, oh, you know, my car down the road is stuck. I need $5. Uh, and I said, oh, come on in. 
and five dollars and I bring him to the kitchen and he starts working me up to 10 and 15 and 20 to 25. Oh yeah, you, you need some. And I wrote him a check for $25. Betty's in the other room ironing clothes, right? She's hearing the whole, she's hearing the whole conversation going on about my sanctimonious ideas of giving out $25 to this guy. So she looks at me after he leaves and says, John, I think you've been taken. And I go, no, I haven't been taken. This guy smiles. He's a nice guy. Look at him. He's going down the street right now. Sure enough, he was going down the street. I saw him in the direction he was going. He was going right to the tavern, the town tavern. So I get in my car. I go down the street, go into the tavern, look at him. And at that point, I was ready to throw a good double leg takedown on him. And I said, I want my... I want my $25 back. So he gave it to me. I said, I never want to see you come back to my house again. That was stupid on my part to do that. I, I was foolish. And I think if we had a testimony meeting this morning of all your stupidity and all of your foolishness, you'd probably come up with all kinds of illustrations too, right, where you've acted stupid and foolish. You just didn't have all, it all together at that time. So the best of us here this morning can be foolish at times. What I'm talking about is consistency. If I consistently gave out $25 every time somebody came to the door, that would be my problem. I'd be consistently foolish at that point. So I want to ask you a question. If people in this place, in this church, at Cornerstone, were to describe you as a consistent foolish person or a wise person, what would they say about you? What would they say about me? Let's have a confessional time here. What would they say about you? What would they say about me? Now, even a deeper question you want to ask is if God puts you on trial today, because God exists, and he had a statement about your behavior, would he say that you in life have been a consistent fool, or have you been consistently wise? Not that you're perfect at being wise, none of us are, but are you a consistent wise person? I love what the Apostle Paul says, because our model for being wise is Jesus. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. If you want to study someone who's wise, what you want to do is you pick up your Bible and you study Jesus. Because as you study him and watch him, hopefully you and I will learn how to be wiser than what we are. So focus on Christ when you're studying wisdom from the Bible. Okay, that's number one. Okay, point number one. You ready for point two? Ready? Okay, here's point two. What are a few biblical examples of the wise and foolish? I'm just going to mention these. And for those of you that know your Bible, you probably will know your Bible well about these. For instance, Cain and Abel. Remember Cain? Foolish guy. Lot, back in Genesis. A foolish guy. King Saul, 
foolish guy. Jezebel. Remember Jezebel? Foolish woman. How about Judas in the New Testament? Foolish man. How about Pilate in the New Testament at the trial of Jesus? When Jesus pronounces truth and he says, what is truth? He had truth right in front of his eyes and he didn't even know it. Foolish. And then you have a few wise people that are mentioned in the Bible. Solomon, obviously, stands out. He was foolish, but he was wise. David, King David in the Bible, there are times where he was foolish, but he was a wise man. Joseph in the Bible, Daniel, Mary, and Martha. Remember Mary and Martha in the New Testament? Mary was wise. What made her wise? She was wise because she was willing to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him. By the way, on that particular point, I don't know about you, but I find myself, as I get older, to spend time more and more with the Lord because there are so many more decisions. Have you gotten to the place in life where you go, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do about this? Anyone here besides me? Yeah. And we need to ask ourselves about wisdom in our life. So when you read your Bible and you, you meet Bible characters, ask yourself, are these people wise or are they foolish? Listen to what the Apostle Paul said once again, this time from Romans 15, verse 4. Even in the Old Testament, you'll see this. Listen to this. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. He said, this is a hopeless culture in which we live in today, right? And it's hopeless in the sense, it's hopeless making decisions because for, for many, many people in our culture, they are without God. They don't have a relationship with God. They may say, yeah, God exists, but that's about the end of it. And I may be speaking to one or two of you here this morning. You may be here and your belief system is, ah, yeah, I may be a theist. I may be someone who believes that God exists. But I really don't have any kind of a relationship with him. And let me encourage you, if that's the case, get into the scriptures, read the scriptures. And the scriptures will admonish you to turn away from your sin, turn away from your self-centeredness, turn away from your rebellion against God, and place faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, here's the good news, when, you're, when you do that, God will convert you. He will change your life. And there may be someone here that's like that this morning. There may be someone who's never come to the place where you have been truly converted. You go to church, but you haven't really been converted. Once again, let me encourage you, go into the scriptures. Turn from your sins and place faith in Christ. And when you do that, the Lord in his kindness and mercy will save the likes of you as he has me and many others. You ready for our third point then? You ready? That's, boy, that's fast, the first two. Now I'll go down to our third point. Let's go to our third point. In our third point, we're going to examine some texts of Scripture uh, that deal with the 
wise and the foolish. Let's go, first of all, to chapter 12. Let's go there. You'll see these on the screen. Uh, can you see the screen okay? Uh, yeah, I didn't want my height to bother you. So, <laughs> so. Chapter 12, verse 15. I'm reading from the New American Standard this morning. We're dealing with the lifestyles of the wise and foolish. Verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. So here's a fool. You can't tell me anything. I've got it all down. I know the answer. Is he wise in their own eyes? And they don't listen to counsel. Counsel in the sense of they've got to, do they have any friends that they can go to? Anyone giving advice to them? Uh, by the way, there are people in this congregation, I am assuming, that you could give good counsel about finance. Some of you are hurting financially, but for whatever reason, you refuse to go to someone who knows more about finance than you. Let me encourage you, there must be a few people here who know more about finances than you do. And go to those people in the congregation. We're here as a body of believers, right? To help each other in the struggles of life. And one of the biggest struggles in life is this matter of finance. More and more research that I'm seeing, the three major problems in a marriage, uh, communication, sexual matters, and then finance. And number one is finance. You would think it's sexual matters in our culture, but it's not. You get a couple who are struggling in finance, sexual matters, around the wayside, fighting all the time about finance. There must be someone here who has some more counsel than you. Don't be a fool. How about raising kids? There must be a few people here in this. You younger couples here, uh, go to some older couples that you respect that have raised kids and, and talk to them. Don't say, I don't need any help. Don't be like the fool. And by the way, a few of you might be even dating or planning on dating someone. Is your boyfriend, is your girlfriend a fool? Will they listen to counsel? Will they listen to anyone? Or is everything right in their own eyes? I can do whatever. Some of you perhaps need a diet to go on to. You know, there's people in this church that probably can help you with a diet. No, I don't want to go to anybody. Okay. Don't go to anybody. Don't be a fool, though, really. You need to go to somebody. How about an exercise program? Some of you need to exercise. These are just practical things from the book of Proverbs that I'm mentioning here, application points. Some of you need to exercise. You haven't exercised in a long time. You don't even walk anywhere except from the, the living room to the kitchen. You know, you really need to exercise. And there's probably a few people here that can help you with that. What do you do for an exercise program? One reason why some of you are probably miserable is because you don't get enough exercise. You just keep eating potato chips one day after another. I tell you, it's going to bring you right down and also put a lot of weight on you as well. So go to someone. If you're struggling, go to someone that can help you here at Cornerstone. There's some wise people here that can help you, and I would encourage you to do that. Let's go to another chapter, chapter 13, verse 16. Listen to this verse. Every prudent man acts with knowledge. But a fool displays folly. Listen, this is a very interesting verse here. This person doesn't, doesn't make decisions based on feeling, 
but based on facts. So when you're looking at decision-making for you and myself, what do we need? We need to get the facts. Get the facts before you make your decisions. Do some research. Analyze. Don't just make a decision based on how I feel. Okay? And the, the whole transgender thing today is it's just, it's just remarkable to me that parents allow their kids to facilitate these particular ideas. Um, my purpose this morning is not to get into this deeply, but you can't base your life on what you feel. Okay? There are some days I get up and I feel like a dog. Uh, that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean I am a dog. Okay? Uh, you, let's hurry and give this man a dog operation. Uh, why? Because he feels like a dog. I, I don't, I'm not a dog. And, and, and the girls and young girls and the young guys that I have counseled over the last number of years who struggle with this, it's, it's a hard, it's really a depressing arena in which we are in in America. When a boy doesn't know that they are a boy, when a girl doesn't know that they are a girl, that's troublesome, isn't it? That's troublesome in a society. So you parents are the ones that God has placed over the kids, and the kids don't tell you what to do at this point. Well, I feel like, oh, I'm so sorry you feel this way. It must be you then. No, no, no. You are, Billy, a boy. You know, you are Susie, a girl. I've already had my discussion with our six grandkids about this, and I'm not going to tell you what I said. But I've had the discussion with them about this. Now, my point here, and this is one example of verse 16, an application, uh, or verse 15, the fool... Uh, the way the fool is right in his own eyes, we have already covered that. But in 16, we see every prudent man, uh, man acts with knowledge. What, what are the facts? Where, where's the DNA evidence that shows that a little girl is really a little boy? Where's the DNA evidence? Do your research. Think about this. You know what I'm saying? Does it make sense, anyone? Let's go to chapter 18, verse 2. I want you to see another one. Look at verse 2. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Now, once again, all of us do this at times, right? But is this your consistent lifestyle? A fool does not delight in understanding. It's not just a person who goes, note the word delight here. A person who just doesn't go after understanding, I need to understand people, I need to understand situations. But this person delights to understand. You understand? Do you see this in the text? But a fool doesn't delight to understand. The only thing he wants to do in the text, to reveal his own mind. To say, this is what I think. This is what I believe. Any, any, any sense on that? Yes. It's a very practical, practical thing. And you probably know friends like that, family members. How many, maybe you don't have to raise your hand. I wonder how many of you have family members like this. They don't want to, they just want to reveal their own mind. They're not really interested in delighting and understanding. Let's go to chapter 19, verse 3. Look at verse 3. The foolishness of a man ruins his way, and his heart rages against the Lord. Boy, isn't this a characteristic of the people who are not followers of Christ? No, the foolishness of a man ruins his way. Listen, if you're going to be foolish, let me try to tell you something here from Proverbs 19. You're going to ruin your life. Like, a whole matter of discipline. Let me encourage you about discipline for a moment. 
If you're an undisciplined person, you're going to have many more problems than a disciplined person has. Do you believe that? Think about it. If you're not a disciplined person, and I know you can go extreme on discipline too, but if you're not a disciplined person, you're going to ruin your life. If you're going to make decisions just on the spur of the moment all the time, you're going to ruin yourself. What's Proverbs say? You'll note the foolishness of man ruins his life and his heart rages against the Lord. You see, the unbeliever, he's angry at God about everything. Did you ever notice that? Except when he has a good day or she has a good day. The unbeliever detests God because God gets in his or her way. So the, I mean, the proverb writer states that they rage against the Lord. They are angry at God. I hope that's not you because that's a fool. That's a characteristic of a fool. You don't want to rage against God. God's a little bigger than you are, right? Do you know anything about the attributes of God? Sure you do. And if you know anything about the attributes of God, you know that God is much bigger than you. Well, let's go to one more in Proverbs. Chapter 26, look at verse 10. Like an archer who wounds everyone, so is he who hires a fool or who hires those that pass by. <laughs> Don't you see somewhat of the humor in some of these Proverbs? Here's this guy who goes bow hunting. Anyone here go bow hunting besides myself? Anyone here? Bow hunter? No? Okay. Here's this archer, you know, the guy who puts the apple on his nephew's head. And he takes a shot or two. Like an archer who, who wounds everyone, misses the mark, so he ends up hitting the person. So is he who hires a fool or who hires those who pass by. Here comes Bill. You never met him before. You don't have any idea who he is. And you think, well, you know, I need someone to work on my porch. This guy looks like a good person. Don't know anything about him. Hey, you, come on. Can you fix my porch? And the guy goes, yeah, I'll, I'll fix your porch. Has anyone here been stuck with someone like that? Anyone besides me? Okay, no one? Okay, stay away. Don't do that. Make sure, you get, make sure you get the references. And I have a little note here. Check the person's resume. Check the references. You see what he's saying here? Just don't hire someone you don't know about. Check the references. Okay, those are some. Check the references, for instance. Give me an illustration here on a babysitter. Anyone need a babysitter? Check the references. How about mowing your grass? Check the references. Um, I have three grandsons, three granddaughters, and they oftentimes mow our grass because they want to be on my phone bill. And one came over yesterday and he, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, well, you, it's time for you. To, the October month is going here. You want, and he knows, this, he knows the idea that if he doesn't mow the grass, I'll pull him right off my phone account. Or if he doesn't do some work around the house, I'm not a socialist. So I, I, say, I say, I'm not giving you money just because you look like you need money, you know. I say, you work and I'll give you some money. So he's out there mowing all, all summer long. He's been out there and I keep him on the phone bill. And the other one too, he came over and he did his jobs yesterday. He did what I want him to do for a few hours. And they, that's how they pay for their phone bill. But I'm not paying their phone bill just because I'm their grandfather. You think I'm going to do that? No, you got the wrong grandfather. Let the kid work, you know? You need a, 
You see, I don't need a reference for this guy. I know him. I don't need a resume from him. I know the boy. Um, once again, anything that you, you want to hire out for, make sure you get to know the person before you do it. Okay, make sense? Okay, let's go to a few other, few other portions here, in particular about the wise. Let's go to chapter 1, verse 5. Don't you love the Bible? Isn't it so, isn't it so practical? What's our problem? Can I tell you something? What's our problem in America? Why is it that we have so many problems? You want me to tell you why? Because you don't read the Bible. And you don't apply the Bible. That's my problem. Okay, that's my problem too. The problem with this is we just don't read and apply the Word of God. And then we go to God and we go, wow, why are we in this trouble? Why are you not reading the manual? You know? You think you can do it by yourself. Don't be a fool. Okay, let's go to chapter 1, verse 5. Um, and here's what this verse states. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Note the first part of the verse. A wise man or a person will hear. First of all, they're going to listen. And listening is not easy, Right? And, and, I, and I'm, I can attest to this. It's not easy for me. I've had to battle listening out all my life. Um, my temperament, really, I'd, I'd rather speak than listen. And I've had to really have the Lord work on my heart about listening to people. Because my temperament is more inclined the other way. And my upbringing is more inclined to talk and yell and scream than it is to listen. Our whole family is like that. And we get together, we... Just had a family reunion, and no one listens. Everybody's screaming and yelling and hugging and crying, and then they're laughing. And, you know, I'm wondering, how in God's providence did I get into this place? It's so, so, so I've got two things against me, my temperament and, and my family environmental background. But if, you're gonna be, if I'm going to be a wise person, I have to learn how to hear, how to listen. And I've had to struggle with that. But not only to listen, but increase in learning. Oh, so I'm such and such an age. I don't, I'm such and such an age, so I don't need to learn anymore. No, 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 no. I keep going to school. I'm taking courses right now um, on, on child abuse. And why, why at my age would I do that? Because there's much more to learn. There's much more to study. I don't have it all down. I don't have the answers down. I need more research. You see, he increases in learning. He wants to keep learning. She wants to keep learning. Listen, is that, the, is that who you're married to? You guys, is, are, encourage that with your wife. Encourage her to be a learner. You women, encourage your husband to be a, a learner. He increases. You see, a wise person increases in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire Wise counsel. Once again, back to that going after counsel. And this can be talking about a friend of yours. Go to someone that knows more than you do. And then chapter 3. Go to chapter 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Don't be wise. In your, don't think you know it all. You don't know it all. But what should you do to curb that? Fear the Lord. See him as majestic. Fear him who has all knowledge. And turn away from evil. Isn't it interesting how he writes here? He says, if you fear God, it'll, the next statement here is you'll, 
and turn away from evil. I love Bridges at this point. Listen to him. Just one line. How striking it is in this connection between the fear of God and the fear of sin. Did you hear that? Let me give it, go over this again. How striking is this connection between the fear of God and the fear of sin? Oh, my sin isn't that bad. What's the problem, Bridges would say, and Solomon would say, you don't fear God enough. You see, if you fear God, the fear of God will keep you away from sin. Any amens here in the, in the place? Really? If you really fear God, if you really see him as majestic and powerful, you're not going to be one to, to run off and to run off and sin. doesn't mean we never sin. We do, but not our lifestyle. I, I was confronted with this again a few days ago when I, do you like mums? Anyone here like to plant mums? Yeah, I do too. And you go into, the, you go into Lowe's or Walmart or wherever, and you buy some mums, and, you know, they're for now, I think they're like 5 or $6 or whatever they are. And you get those and you plant them. And you go to the register and the person says, how many mums did you get? And I go, oh, five. I bought five. And then you go out and I go, why don't I take six? I mean, I just paid for five. What's the wrong with taking another? They're right outside, right? Why don't I just take another one? Well, maybe two. What stops me from doing that? Well, what stops you from doing that? Well, one thing that would stop me, you say it's dishonest, but if God doesn't exist, why wouldn't I take one? Did you ever think about that? I ask atheists all the time. I say, listen, talk to me about, talk to me about stealing. Why is it wrong? Who said it's wrong? And they always come back with this argument. Well, it's for the good of society. But I said, if society said February 2nd, we're going to have National Stealing Day, would you endorse that? If 55% of the population said it was okay, would you endorse it? You see, the way people think, the thing, that, the thing that keeps me away from stealing and other things is the fear of God. And when a culture rejects God, and when a culture rejects God as to be feared, he's so awesome and majestic. He has the power to create the universe and to put you in it. Once you start rejecting that, and Paul argues this in Romans 1, once you start repressing that as a culture, it breaks out into anarchy. And that's what we're seeing today. So what do we need? We need to get back to fear God. Why? As the, as the writer states in Proverbs, when you fear God, you'll turn away from sin. Okay, let's go to another portion. Uh, that was 3.7. Let's go to 11.30. 11.30. Listen to 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who, who is wise wins souls. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you've won a soul to Christ? When's the last time you've witnessed to someone about the gospel of Jesus Christ? When's the last time you shared the gospel of John with someone? You see, this, the writer here is saying if you win souls... You must be a wise person. You pursue bringing others to the treasure house of Jesus. What I mean by treasure house is Jesus himself. When you have this heart to share the gospel with people, you're a wise person. 
a wise person. Let me encourage you this week. There are multitudes of people around us that don't know the Lord. And your responsibility and mine, in part, among other things, is to share the gospel with them, to share a Bible with them. I just ordered a number of copies of the ESV, uh, new, uh, new, uh, the English Standard Version Gospel of John. I have them in my car, and I have them in my house also. Because when people come to the house, really, I, I just love when they come to the house. By the way, have you read the Bible? <laughs> oh, you don't have a Bible? Let me give you a copy of the Gospel of John. Oh, in the car. Oh, at the gas pump. It's really interesting. At the gas pump. I was there again this week. Seems like I'm always at the gas pump. And as I'm at the gas I'm talking to the people on the other side, and I'm looking at them. I say, hey, by the way, do you have a Bible? And the person will say, oh, no, I do. Oh, yeah, I may have one. I say, oh, listen, let me give you a, I got one in the Gospel of John. You want to take it and read it tonight? Can you promise me you're going to do that? See, a wise person wins souls. You'll note the verse here. They win souls. Let's go to um, chapter 13, verse 20. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs. Verse 20. He who walks with wise men, people, will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Have you seen that true in life? You hang around wise people and you're going to benefit. You hang around fools, and you're going to get in trouble, and then you know what a fool does when they get in trouble? They're going to blame God for it. What's the text say? The text says, he who walks with the wise will be wise. I want to ask you a question. How many wise friends do you have? First of all, do you have any friends? But secondly, how many wise friends do you have? How many wise friends do you have? How many foolish friends that you have? Do you have any foolish friends? You need to share the gospel with them, then you need to stay away from them. Because if you don't, you're going to get into trouble. And once again, when you get into trouble, then you're going to question the sovereignty of God. Why did God allow me to do this? Stay away from foolish people. Listen, you dating some guy who's a fool? Stay away from him. You dating some woman who's a fool? Stay away. You're, you parents, you've got kids, you're trying to train them in godliness. Look at their friends. Are they fools or are they wise? Stay away. Kid, hey, Bill, you know, Billy, stay away from that kid. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a troublemaker. Stay away from him. You give him the gospel, witness to him, okay, then stay away from him. You're going to get in trouble if you stay away from this guy. If you don't stay away from this guy, you're going to be in trouble. It makes sense, people. It makes sense. And, and parents, once again, this is, a, this is a family hour. This is supposed to be the family hour, right? Family Bible Listen, this is for you and myself. You've got kids, you've got grandkids. Tell them these things. Listen, the kids come over for lunch. I told you this before. The kids come over, and they've got their, their at dinner time, and they've got their forks ready to eat, right? And my grandsons in particular, they've got their forks out. Wait, we're going to pray. Get those forks down. I don't want anybody touching the mashed potatoes until I get done reading a verse here. And I usually read Proverbs, and I take them right through Proverbs. And I said, this is the way grandfather wants you to be raised, like this. Don't you dare pick up that fork until we're done. And I'll just read and make a comment, and then it's time to eat. You don't have to give a sermon. Teenagers especially don't like that. If you're dealing with teenagers and they're hungry, right? They don't like that. But just give them a verse of scripture. This is what grandfather believes. This is what grandmother believes. 
That's lacking today in our culture. We don't have the parents involved. Then we have the kids. Once again, I, I don't want to revert back too much on this, but then we have the kids telling the parents what to do, and the parents go, I don't know. I guess that's okay. Yeah. Do we have to go to church? Well, the kids, you know, we're going to let him make his own mind up someday. He'll make his mind on whatever. Do you do that with school? Then he gets up and he says, I don't want to go to school. You go, well, you know what? Since you said you don't want to go to school, that's fine. You don't have to go to school today. Right? Is that what you do? No, you don't. You say, get on the bus. Get going. Right? That's what you have to do. And it's true with church. Some of you parents are, I hate to say this, I don't know all of you, but you might be negligent here. You might be saying, no, I need to really bring my kids the cornerstone here. But you don't do that. Yeah. Why? Because the kids don't want to go. Oh, that's too bad. My, 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 my granddaughter, my, my granddaughter who plays volleyball, I love to watch her play. She's kind of an aggressive girl. And uh, she got it from her grandmother. And, and as, <laughs> as, as, she's, as she's playing, as she's playing, I call her, I, I tell her all the time, I pull her over and I go, she's 14, I go, hey, the Lord's blessed you with fire. I want you to get out there and play tough. So she gets out there and she starts playing tough. And when we get back into our little grandfather, granddaughter huddle, we talk about this stuff. I tell her, the Lord has blessed you with this. You, you've got to play with your heart out here. You can't be a sluggard. You can't be a, get out there and fight. Get out there and fight hard. You see, parent, grandparent, we need to instill these things into our kids. And America is suffering today because we haven't done that. Oh, my prayer for you, and I, I must move on here, but my prayer for you and prayer for myself is that we will do that. You'll share the word. One last portion here, and then I'm going to go quickly through my last point here because of time. I know you, you need to get back home or you need to eat after. And don't forget to invite me to the meal when the next time I preach here. Um, invite, I'd be glad to come and have, a, have some food with you. But just invite me to ahead of time. Because last night I made some of the best spaghetti sauce. And I had it simmering for a number of hours last night. So, what's that, John? Bring it, bring it in. Got to go back to Webster, bring it back here. Look at chapter 24, verses 5 and 6. Look at verse 5 and 6. A wise man is strong or courageous. And a man of knowledge increases power. So what's the point? Don't be a dumb person. Learn. Increase your power in relationships. For by wise guidance you will wage war, and by abundance of counselors there's victory. A lot of things can be said about this verse. Verse number six, on guidance, that's when you wage war. Some of you guys in this room are waging war against all kinds of things at work, in your home, perhaps with pornography, other issues that you're waging war against day after day after day. Listen, go to someone. Go to someone at Cornerstone that can help you with these things once again. Why is that? Because in abundance of counselors, there's victory. You see the point here. Go to other, there, we need counselors of various kinds to help us. And you have them here at Cornerstone. Find them and use them. Okay, you ready to go to our last one then? Our last point will be very brief here because I can see some of you are hungry as can be. And that's, what is it that Jesus said about this? And I'm going to be uh, quick on these. You'll note Jesus here in 
He has a lot to say. If you look at the word wisdom or wise in the New Testament, you'll see. By the way, this, the same Old Testament that Jesus had in the book of Proverbs, you have as well. So Jesus had the same Old Testament and spoke highly of him, as Jesus mentions in Luke 24. All of the Old Testament spoke of him. But just to mention two verses, behold, he's, he looks at his disciples and he says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Boy, do we need to be wise today in sharing the gospel, don't we? One reason why is because people don't know what the gospel is. You say, you ever heard the gospel? They don't know what the gospel means. They don't know what it means, good news or happy message, euangelion, the Greek word. They don't know that. So be wise. And then Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, remember he gives this illustration of the man who tears down his barns and builds graters and he's really living He's really living without God, and he just thinks the reason why I'm supposed to live, the reason why I'm, the reason why I'm living, I'll tell you what the reason is, is so I can just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. And what does Jesus say? Is there anything wrong with getting things? No, but he's rejecting God all in the process. And he thinks getting things is his major reason for life. And the Lord says, thou fool. That's what he calls them. This very night your soul is required of you and you'll give an account to God. And he says, who will then get what you have? By the way, this is very interesting. What, who's going to have what you have? Someday we're all going to die, right? We're all going to die. We live in decaying bodies. I told you this before. I used to be 6'4 with dark, heavy, hair, uh, dark black hair. We're all decaying. We're all dying. That's just reality. That's not fictitious, fictitious thinking. That's just reality. We're all dying. So who are you going to leave everything to? Who are you going to leave? Listen. Does God have any place in your, in your accumulating? You, you, give it, you ever pray something like this? I've asked you this before. Lord, give me money so I can help someone else. You ever pray that? You need to pray that. I mean, I have to pray it too. Lord, give me some money this week so I can give it to somebody. Okay? That probably won't work well on TV preachers, but some of them. But ask the Lord to give you some money. And then this last one here, you know the story about the, the, the man who built his house on the on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock. What was the problem? What was the reason? Well, the guy who built his house on the, on the sand, it's not that he didn't hear, but he didn't apply. You see? He came to church. He probably came to church. This guy probably came to church every Sunday. He probably, had, he probably read his Bible, but he didn't apply. You see what Jesus is saying? The wise person is not, is the, not just the guy who hears, but he applies what he hears. He applies what he reads, right? That's the wise person. Yeah, conclusion, the Bible has much to say about the fool and the wise. Proverbs in particular has much to say about the fool and the wise. So listen, dear people, I know we can't be perfectly wise, but this week, be wise. Don't be a fool. Understand? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these dear people that have come out. Take your word, and by your spirit, do a work in us. Help us to be wiser than we were when we first came into this place today. In Jesus' name, amen.